Alright, look at verse 3 of 1 John chapter 1. It says, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So right here in this passage, he is, you know, he's telling us, we're declaring these things unto you. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And he's telling them, you need to understand these things so you can have fellowship with us. And the reason you need to do this is because we have fellowship with the Father. We have fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that word fellowship is a very important word. One of the reasons we come together, we come together for the fellowship. We come to, it is a great thing about church is coming together, getting around God's people, and just fellowshipping with each other. And what I want to talk about tonight, the title of my message tonight, is called A Real Relevant Relationship with Jesus Christ. All right? Now, the reason I'm calling it that is to get the trendy's attention. All right? They love the word you know, relevant and they love the word relationship. All right? And one thing that the trendy's like, how many saw the trendy bash that took place on Friday? All right? you know, that, was, that was a lot of fun. And so I just felt led to preach on some of this stuff just to kind of prove a lot of what they're doing. Not only is it just stupid, but it's doctrinally wrong. And doctrinally, many of the things they teach are very dangerous. And one thing that the trendies like to do is they like to do whatever's trending. They like to use hip and trendy words. They don't like using Bible words. They like using more modern words. And the word relationship, that is a word you will hear out of their mouth a lot. It is a word that you will see on their materials quite a bit is the word relationship, but that word is not in the Bible. Okay? But at the same time, I think the word fellowship is basically the same thing. Alright? I think it's a very close word, and that's a word that we often use. You know, we have a monthly fellowship. You know, we get together and we fellowship. We I don't mind using Bible words. I mean we're in church for goodness sake. We're in church where Bible believers, why would we have a problem with using Bible words? But yet these guys they want to run from these Bible words. It's like they're scared to death of them. And notice, and so you know, back there in First John, I want us to go through this chapter because there's a lot of things that people get mixed up on in this chapter. But we see, he says in verse 4, it says, And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, Okay, Or as the trendies would say, if we say we have a relationship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. Now this verse right here, this is one of the reasons we want to make sure our terminology is biblical. Because people get mixed up in this verse right here and they'll say, look, you know, it says right there, if you walk in darkness, you know, or it says, if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we do lie, do not the truth. Therefore, if you're walking in darkness, you're not saved. That's what it says. That's what people say. They will use this verse and they'll say, somebody who says they're saved, but they're living that life of sin and they're walking in darkness, they are not saved according to this verse. That's what they'll do with that. But what does this verse say? It says, if we say we have fellowship with Him. If we say we're having a relationship with Jesus, and we walk in darkness, we lie, do not the truth. So here's the thing you've got to understand. You know, 
First of all, in order to have a relationship or fellowship, there are some things that are required. Okay, But here's the thing. Do you have to have a relationship or fellowship with Jesus to be saved? Now, isn't that required for us? Okay, If we're going to have a relationship, okay, or if we're going to have fellowship, we see in this passage you have to be in agreement. All right? He meant, there's some things we have to be in agreement on. If we're not agreeing on anything, are we? Our, our fellowship's not going to be very good. If we don't agree on doctrine, our fellowship's not going to be very good. Okay? If I'm putting all the effort into a relationship and you're doing nothing, we don't have a relationship. Okay? It's going to end. So here's the thing. Would we all not admit that a relationship takes work? Absolutely, it takes work. All right. Everybody that's married, at least, I'll be saying amen. Okay, your your marriage relationship takes work. Okay, so here's the thing: if salvation is not of works, then is a relationship required for salvation? Is fellowship required for salvation? And no, it's not. Fellowship is not required for salvation. Salvation is a free gift. Do we not teach that salvation is a free gift that it's unconditional? Do we not teach that if you know we use the example, you know, if I give you this, and I tell you that it's free. You know, do I have the right to come and take it away? And if I'm requiring something of them, then it's by, it is now by works. It is no longer a free gift. This passage right here is not saying if we're walking in darkness, we're not saved. It's saying if we're walking in darkness, we're not having a fel- we're not having fellowship. That's what it's saying right there. That's not talking about salvation. And so, in order to have fellowship or relationship, we've got to be in agreement on some things. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? We cannot have fellowship. We cannot get along together if we don't have agreement on some things. These things are necessary. So what are these things that we need to agree on in order to have fellowship with Jesus Christ? And Look at verse 3 again. So it says, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. He's, he's telling them these things. He's, te- he's teaching them this doctrine so they will know what they need to do, do and what they need to believe in order to have fellowship with them. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He's like, hey, we're fellowshipping with God and with Christ. And it's clear that in order to fellowship, you've got to be in agreement on some things. And do we not, as believers, do we not want to have fellowship with Christ? Do we not want to have fellowship with the Father? Absolutely. So you know what? We need to be in agreement with Him. We need to be in agreement with His Word. So what are we going to do? We're going to preach the Word. And if somebody comes in here and they want to be a part of this congregation, if they want to fellowship with us, they need to be in agreement, don't they? Is there anything wrong with us having a doctrinal statement and saying you must be in agreement with this? I think that's fine. You know, and people say, well, you know, this is our doctrinal statement here. Well, obviously it is, and it can correct us and stuff, but the thing is, everybody says this is their doctrinal statement. Everybody can, anybody can say that. And so there are some things that maybe uh, are controversial where there's a lot of different opinions, and so we have a doctrinal statement saying this is what we believe, this is what the church teaches. You know, basically letting people know, don't come in here and try to teach a work of salvation. Don't come in here and try to teach you can lose your salvation or whatever. We, we've got to be in agreement on these things. You know, we've got to be in agreement on the fact that the King James Bible is the Word of God. Okay? If you don't believe that, 
Not much we can do to change, and there's nothing we can do to change your mind. That's fine, but you know what? You're not going to be able to have fellowship here because we're not in agreement on these things. And so we need to agree. Well, one of the things we need to agree with Jesus Christ about is our sin. Verse four, or let's jump down to verse six. We say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have salvation. No, we have fellowship one with another. Hey, if we're walking in the light, if we're doing the right thing, you know what? We're all going to get along. Because we're all in agreement. We're in fellowship with one another. And look at this. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So the truth is, even though we often mess up and we, you know, we make mistakes, thankfully, the blood of Christ, it cleanses us from those sins. He's not saying in here that we're going to be perfect. Because He says right... After that, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves when the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. So one of the things that we see is in the Bible is that we are sinners. But you know what the Bible also says? It says that Christ loved us while we were yet sinners, doesn't it? But the Bible also teaches that Jesus Christ died on the cross and He paid for our sins. We understand that He hates sin. And even though, and the Bible is very clear, we don't have to be perfect and without sin in order to be saved or to be loved by God. But at the same time, in order to have fellowship, we at least need to be in agreement about our sin. Y'all get that? We at least need to agree that we're sinners. We don't teach people when we go out and soul winning that they need to turn from their sin, they have to quit all their sins in order to be saved, but do they not need to agree that they are sinners? Do they not need to agree that they've transgressed God's law and that there's a penalty for that sin? We do emphasize those things very much. We need to be in agreement there. And even though we are in agreement on that, and even though we still mess up and sin sometimes, thankfully the blood of Christ cleanses us from all our sins. So in order for us to agree with God about sin, isn't it important that we know what sin is? Look at first, I'm going somewhere with this. First John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now, what is the law? That's the Old Testament. Okay? The law is the Old Testament. Sin is a transgression of the law. I said it before, I'm going to say it again. The law was not a period of time. Okay? When he says we are not under the law but under grace, he's not saying that because we went into the New Testament dispensation. If you are not saved, you are under the law. Because if you die, you're going to be judged according to the law. And you know what? You're going to go to hell. If there is no law anymore, then why would we go to hell? If everybody's just automatically under grace because we're in the New Testament dispensation, then why would anybody go to hell? You do not enter grace until you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you are no longer under the law, but under grace. That's something that happens later. And so in order for us to agree with God about sin, we have to know what it is. Look at Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. It says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Alright, you all see that? He's saying, 
If it weren't for the law, I wouldn't know what sin is. And do we not see, that I think it made it pretty clear, that in order for us to have fellowship with God, we've got to be in agreement about some things. We've got to at least be in agreement about our sin. How are we supposed to know what sin is if we're not being taught the law? We need to be taught the law. We need to be taught the Old Testament. And so if someone wants to fellowship with us as a church, they need to agree with these things. In order for us to have fellowship, because do we not claim that our fellowship is with the Father and His Son Jesus Christ? Do we not? Is that not what we claim here? And do we not? And if we want people to come and be a part of this church and have fellowship with us, but in order for them to have fellowship with us, they've got to have fellowship with the one that we're fellowshipping with. We've all got to be in agreement on these things. And specifically what we see here in 1 John is we've got to be in agreement about sin. And I say all this because we see today these trendies that I've been talking about. These new guys that want to modernize everything and they want to make try to make Christianity more appealing to the flesh. These guys are teaching, they're, they're getting a relationship confused with salvation. Okay, this John guy, the pastor polka dot, that everybody's been finding out about. This is something that he posted on his church's Facebook page. He, listen to what he said. He said, if you've started a relationship with Jesus, then you are chosen, not forsaken. He is for you, not against you. You are a child of God. If you haven't yet, then we'd love to tell you how you can. So he's teaching them here basically, I mean, what I get from that is, you know, when we get saved, aren't we then chosen? That's what I believe. I believe we're chosen once we get saved. I believe we become a child of God when we get saved. Not when we have a relationship. It's when we it's when we believe on Christ. That is what gets us saved. Fellowship is something that's going to come after. Fellowship is not guaranteed. Just because somebody gets saved doesn't mean they're going to have fellowship. It doesn't mean they're going to have a relationship. Relationships take effort. Relationships take works. And salvation is not of works. But the trendies, they don't even like the word salvation. You, I mean, you, you'll be hard-pressed to find on any of their doctrinal statements, on any of their materials, words like saved and salvation or born again. They do not like these biblical terms. They're always trying to modern everything. Because the reason they don't like the word salvation, that implies you need saved from something. If you want to say, hey, you need to get saved, well, what do I need to get saved from? You just need a relationship with Jesus. Doesn't that sound so much better? Well, why don't I have a relationship with Jesus? That's the thing too. These people, they want to try to tell them how to have a relationship, but they never want to preach about sin. They don't want to bring these things up. No, just God's for you. God loves you. Listen, God does love you, but He hates your sin. God had to send His Son to die on the cross for your sin. You've got to admit that you're a sinner in order to be saved. And how are they going to do that if we're not teaching them the law? How are they going to do that if we're not letting them know what the Bible teaches? So in order for us to have fellowship or a relationship, we've got to be in agreement on some things. But these trendies, they don't want to talk about sin. How in the world are people supposed to know how to have fellowship? If they're continuing to walk in darkness, how are they going to have fellowship? 
See, and there's people out there here in town that we've led to the Lord that got saved that are on their way to heaven, but they're not fellowshipping with God yet. And you know what? If we have somebody, they get saved, and maybe, you know, and we've had some of these before, where they get saved, they're shacking up, and sometimes they want to come to our church, but eventually we end up having to tell these people, hey, listen, y'all are living in fornication. Y'all need to get married, or you need to separate. This isn't okay. Now you say, why would you do that? You're so judgmental. I'll tell you exactly why. One, God specifically told us to do that. But second of all, because we have fellowship with the Father and His Son. And if they want to have fellowship with us, they've got to be in agreement with these same things. And if they're doing those, they're walking in darkness. And they're not going to have fellowship. They're not going to be able to have a relationship when they are still living in sin, they've got to start getting those things out of their lives. Not to be saved, but to have a relationship. And it is amazing how these guys, they'll talk about relationship, 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 but they will never bring up the things that the Bible tells us we have to do in order to have a relationship. It's, it's absolutely insane. Turn over to John chapter 14 and verse 15. So, in order to have a relationship or fellowship, we need to be in agreement. And you know what? There's also going to need to be love. Okay, now love is a very non uncontroversial word. Okay? They like using the word love. They'll use the word love quite a bit, but one thing they won't do is show what the Bible says about how we love the Lord. And I'm going to show you too, these people that are these these trendies, the way they do church today. They talk a lot about love, but these people do not love the Lord. They love themselves. That's who they are. These people adore themselves. John 14, verse 15. Jesus is speaking here. And He said, If you love Me, keep My commandments. Now that's pretty clear right there, isn't it? That's pretty straightforward. If you love Me, keep My commandments. Now, is keeping commandments required for salvation? Now, I've got to bring this up because... Unfortunately, this kind of thing has just crept into Baptist churches. But you know, we obviously, you know, most Baptist churches don't believe you have to keep the commandments to be saved. But what a lot of people will do is they will they'll say, well, in the Old Testament, you had to keep the commandments to be saved, which is a lie. And they will bring up verses like this and say, you know, that this, that proves that they had to keep the commandments to be saved in the Old Testament. No, you just had to keep the commandments in order to love Jesus. And we don't see where it says, you know, love the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Y'all get that? Alright? And we're going to show you a lot more about love here in just a little bit. But Jesus clearly said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Alright? And even the trendies, while they don't use the word dispensations or dispensational, because once again, that's an old word, that's a theological word, that word is not trendy. So they don't use that word. But they are teaching a lot of this dispensational junk that the Old Testament, you know, that was a different dispensation. And even the words of Jesus and the Gospel, they were still technically under the Old Testament law and it was a works-based salvation. Therefore, these things do not apply to us today. Well, guess what? The same guy who wrote John 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments, also wrote 1 John chapter 5. Go to 1 John chapter 5 says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Alright? If you're born, born, being born again, 
comes by being saved by believing on Christ. Alright? And then everyone that loveth him, be, uh, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Does it say here that if you, you know, don't love your brother or love those who are begotten of him, you're not born again or you're not born of God? No, it doesn't say that. It says very clearly right there, every, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's it. Alright? You're saved by believing on Christ. And everyone that loveth Him, that begat, loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. Alright? If you love the one who begat you, you're going to love those who He begat. Okay? This isn't about whether or not you are saved. This is about whether or not you love God. Okay? That's what he's talking about here. This is another passage people will try to take from 1 John to show you got to keep commandments and stuff in order to be saved. No, you have to keep the commandments in order to love God. Verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. That's not how we know we're saved. It's how we know we love God and keep His commandments. Verse 3, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Now let me ask you, how are we supposed to keep the commandments if, we, if the Old Testament doesn't apply? How are we supposed to, to keep the commandments of Jesus Christ if His words were for another dispensation and for another people? And think about this. all right? These people who want to throw the Sermon on the Mount out because that was for an Old Testament dispensation, if that was just for that... for them, it Literally, that Sermon on the Mount was only just for three years. Think about that. It didn't get that didn't get written until years later. By the time it was written, they're saying it was already, you know, done with. That's just stupid, folks. I I, I know I know we shouldn't talk that way, but that's just that's absolutely ridiculous. And the truth is, while none of those commands in the Old Testament, keeping them will get us saved, while obeying the words of Jesus in the New Testament will not get us saved, obeying those commandments is necessary for us to love Him. And anyone who says that they love God but do not keep His commandments, they do not love God. But they can be saved. okay? Because listen, there is nowhere in the Bible where you see you have to love God in order to be saved or love Jesus in order to be saved. The Bible says salvation is a free gift. You know, and let's just be honest, most of us, we probably got saved because we loved ourselves. In fact, I believe all of us got saved because we loved ourselves. I love myself so much, I don't want to burn in hell for all eternity. I don't like pain. And so you know what? I found out about a free gift. I'm in. I, I believed on that. And I accepted that free gift. But you know what? I do claim to love God now. I do claim to love God now. And so that's why I try to keep His commandments. That's why I try to serve Him and do, and do things for God. But love is not a requirement for salvation Look at 1 John 4.19. Look at Because look at this. All right? it's, it's not required for salvation. It says right here, it says, We love Him because He first loved us. He loved us first. Y'all get that? We didn't start out loving God. He loved us first. Jesus Christ saved us. And when, and for, when He saves you, that ought to cause you to love Him. It doesn't always do that. Some people don't love Him. Some people, they just take their gift and run with it. And they're going to regret it when they stand before Him on Judgment Day. 
They're going to regret it big time, but they're still going to be saved. They're still going to go to heaven. Love is not required for salvation, but guess what? Love is required for a relationship. And you cannot have a relationship without keeping the commandments of God. And you think about these guys, these queer little trendies that are obsessed with the relationship, they never want to talk about the commandments. How do you do that? I mean, explain to me after what we're seeing in the Bible, how you can teach people to have a relationship with Jesus when you don't teach them the commandments of God. When you're afraid to even go to the Ten Commandments. Because you don't want to bring up thou shalt not commit adultery. When you're scared to death to bring up fornication. When you're not willing to bring up the fact that people, couples in your church shouldn't be shacking up. How in the world are these people going to have a relationship with Christ if you're not teaching them the commandments of God? You have to teach them the commandments of God. They're probably not even going to get saved if you don't teach them the commandments of God because they're not going to realize that they're sinners. They're not going to think they need to get saved. But you have these you know, queer little pastor polka dots. They're going to get up and just tell everybody how much Jesus loves them and how great they are. Well, how are they supposed to get saved from that? Well, good night, man. This guy's just buttered me up. He's made me feel so good. And, you know, I'm so great and wonderful. And Jesus loves me so much. Well, well, great. That probably gives these people a warm, fuzzy feeling. But listen, they need to understand the fact that they're lost and they're on their way to hell. And the thing is, people often, when we go soul wedding, they all, that is one of the big hurdles you got to get people to overcome, is believing in a penalty for sin. And you know why it's often difficult for people to understand the penalty of sin is because of the fact they, they don't know what sin is. They don't think that sin is a big deal. They don't think that the things they are doing are bad enough to get them thrown into hell. And so you know what we've got to do? We've got to promote the holiness of God. And we've got to not just promote the holiness of God, but we've got to show them just how dirty they are. And just how scummy all of us are. And so the, the, you know, these trendies not willing to bring up the commandments of God. Not willing, I mean, these, these guys, you'll never hear them say the word sodomite. They're not going to bring them up. They're not going to read Leviticus 20.13 for an Old Testament dispensation. And listen, even if you don't believe that homos should be put to death today, you know why can't they at least admit that, you know what? God commanded Israel to put them to death for it. They, won't, they don't even want to admit that. They don't even want to admit that God gave Israel a law and a command to put homos to death. And you say, well, why do they need to do that? Here's why they need to do that. Because people need to understand how bad sin is. If they don't know sin, why would they think they need a Savior? There is, there is no way. And, and when you see that homosexuality is an abomination, and it never stopped being an abomination, even if you thought they could get saved, what makes you think that them living in a homosexual relationship is going to allow them a relationship with Jesus? There's no way. Even if you believe they could get saved, there's no way they're going to have a relationship with Jesus in that type of lifestyle. So there's nothing in man. There is nothing in man that would make him want to love Jesus. Okay, turn over to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And see, this is what these people don't understand. Now, I, th I, I don't for one second think these trendies are saved. These purple light, you know, skinny jeans, I don't think this for one second because it's clear they don't understand salvation. 
When they're telling people, if you have a relationship with Jesus or if you started a relationship, then you're chosen. That is, that is not true. That is not true. These people do not understand salvation. They, and it's, they, they're all messed up because they're not using Bible terms. But look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there is, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now look what it said there. It says the carnal mind is at enmity with God. Okay, Enmity. There is a hostility. That is a, it is a hatred. It is a hostility. The Bible said in Genesis, you know, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, referring to the woman and the serpent. And you want to know what enmity is, alright? You get any woman, and you know what? Any men, if we're going to be honest too, and you take a serpent, and you put it near them, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to freak out. There's going to be a hostility. Stuff's going to start being thrown. We're going to start swinging at it. Alright? We don't get along well. Alright? The, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, we don't get along real well. Alright? Now some people do. And they're weirdos. Alright? They're, they're weirdos. That, that like that stuff. But listen, the carnal mind is at enmity with God. Y'all see that? Now let me... If the carnal mind is enmity with God, why do these people use carnality to try to get people to have a relationship with Jesus? That doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, they have women putting on a, or putting on a man's garment. you got the men putting on a woman's garment. You got them dressing like homos. You got them being effeminate. The Bible calls that stuff out over and over and over again. And they bring these people into church. They put no difference between the holy and profane. They sing this worldly, sensual music. And they get up there. I mean, women in miniskirts. I mean, just dressed like tramps. And they'll get up there and they'll sing these just sensual songs. And here's the thing. Lost people come in and they love this stuff. Lost people come in and they love the rock concerts. They love the sensual music. They love the trashy dressed girls up on the stage. They love that stuff. You know why? Because that stuff is of the flesh. And here they do. They bring these people in and they have all their carnal stuff. I mean, their services, it looks like a nightclub in these churches. Churches today are looking like nightclubs. We would all agree that nightclubs appeal to the flesh. It's nightclubs without alcohol. It's just coffee instead of alcohol. That's the only difference. And here they do. They bring in all this carnality. And then they're telling these people here, let's sing a song, you know, let's sway back and forth talking about our relationship with Jesus. And you really, and there is no way they're going to have a relationship with Jesus doing that kind of junk. You know why? Because the carnal mind is at enmity with God. There is a hostility there. There is a hatred for that stuff. Look at verse 8. 
So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Folks, that's why we've got to have spiritual songs. And spiritual, I need to preach on this, alright? The trendies have messed this up. The charismatics have messed this up. The camp meeting crowd has messed this up. People think something that's spiritual is, just, is when you're feeling all good inside and swaying or dance or whatever. That is of the flesh. Every, lost people like that stuff. That is, you know, jumping up and down, yelling and screaming, that is of the flesh. That's what they do at ball games. And we've got people today, they're trying to conjure all this stuff in church, and they say that's of the Spirit, all oh, the Holy Spirit moved. Why? Because somebody ran around because some people were screaming? Then the Holy Spirit moved at the ball game. There's no difference. That stuff is all of the flesh, and the Bible says they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And I'm sorry, these people at the camp meetings that are running their laps, that are jumping over pews, that are you know jumping in baptistries, and all the things they do, these people are in the flesh when they do that. That is not of the Spirit. That is another Spirit. And it is not of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. How are we supposed to have a relationship if we're not pleasing Him? How are we supposed to please Him in the flesh? Listen, we want you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ here. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to preach against sin. We're going to try to have a service that is spiritual. So you know what that means? We're going to try to get the ladies dressing like ladies. We're going to try to get the men dressing like men. We're going to try to have music that is doctrinally accurate, that is spiritual, that has some substance to it. We're going to read the Word of God. We're going to be obedient to the things of God. We're going to expound on the Word of God and teach doctrines that are accurate so the Holy Spirit can actually do a work in somebody's heart. And we're going to keep sin out of the church. Why? Because we want to actually have fellowship. We actually do. We're actually the ones that are about relationships. We're the ones that are actually about it. These people are so far from it, it's not funny. And these people do. They come into these churches and they do. They get them all hyped up. They get them all feeling good with their sensual music. And people think, because they listen to a song and they wave their hands and they cry, they think they had an emotional experience or a spiritual experience and they think that they went and just fellowship with Christ. No, you didn't. You went there to feed your dirty, stinking flesh, and they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so, it is, this is an absolute lie and perversion. See, these people, they love themselves. That's what it is. They love themselves. That's why they're trying to figure out how to make church more appealing to their flesh. They want to do things that appeal to their flesh and you say, how do you know what they're thinking? I'll tell you why. Because I'm made out of the same flesh that they are. Okay, You're not going to put one over me on that. I am made out of the same flesh that they are. I hate to admit that I'm made out of the same stuff the trendies are made out of, but I am. And you know, I get some of that. I, you know, I get some of that stuff. I get how it's appealing, but you know what? I'm smart enough to understand that's appealing to my flesh. That's not appealing to my spirit. There's nothing spiritual about that. Nothing at all. So uh, turn over to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. So there's nothing inside man that would make him want to love Jesus or have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you all realize this, but when Jesus was on earth, people didn't like him very much for the most part. Even though he did a lot of good things, people didn't like him very much. There is nothing in the flesh of man. The flesh is not, God's not just at enmity with those that are in the flesh. Those who are in the flesh are at enmity with God. Okay, 
Our flesh, there's nothing about it that causes us to love God. But here's the thing. After God saves us, okay, the Bible says, we read, we love Him because He first loved us. Alright? And turn to Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. We see that Jesus Christ, He is the initiator of love. And it's something that He does for a spirit for us. It's something that He does for us spiritually that causes us to start loving Him. And that's saving us. Alright? When he, he saves us, that right there should kick off a relationship. Alright? When He saves you, that should kick off a relationship. Alright? It might not, but it should. It absolutely should do that. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Some people, not everyone who gets saved shows appreciation to God. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he entered into a certain village, and there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So here we see ten guys who all get cleansed, but we only see one that returns to give glory to God. But you know what? There was ten that were cleansed, weren't there? They all received it. And notice what he says to the Samaritan. He said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. So what made the other nine whole? I think it's safe to assume it was their faith too. But only one returned to give glory to God. Only one showed appreciation. Only one seemed to be interested in having a relationship. And But notice this guy, what made him want to have a relationship is something that God did for him. Something that was unconditional. Some that not everyone returned to give glory to God. Some that not everyone tried to show appreciation for. And so we need to understand that there are, there's, going to be, there's people who get saved but never have a relationship. A relationship is not salvation. Not even close. And that's where these guys, they're perverting the Gospel with this teaching. I don't know. I said, I've not seen a gospel presentation of this Pastor Polka Dot, but at the same time, I'll tell you, what he said in that, that post was just dead wrong. That might just be pure ignorance. It might just be he was trying to sound trendy and cute or whatever, but that, that's probably what he really believes. And that's just pure heresy. There's no two ways about it. So if the carnal mind is enmity with God, why would we use carnal things to reach people in the church? and to help them have a relationship. That's not going to help one bit. You know what that's going to do? That's going to hurt our relationship. That is going to strain our relationship. You know what that's going to do? That's going to push people into darkness. And the Bible says if we walk in darkness, we don't have fellowship. And so here you've got these guys who love using the word relationship. And this, this is not just a few people. This is a big movement of people. And people, people are waking up to it. There's a lot of older people that are in a lot of these churches and their pastors are hiring guys out of West Coast and places like that and they're bringing in a lot of this stuff and you know the old people, they don't know where it's coming from and they're just they're, they're scratching their heads. What's going on here? I don't understand this. Something seems wrong. 
And these guys are slowly introducing all this hit, trendy stuff and they're changing the terminology. They're changing the look of the church and they don't even realize that these people are subtly changing the Gospel with it too. And they're trying to make it all about relationship and it sounds so sweet. It sounds so cute. It sounds so inviting. But they don't even realize what these guys are doing is leading people away from a relationship. They are actually hurting what they say they are trying to do. But a relationship, it, there's got to be agreement. We've got to agree about sin. There's got to be, and we're not going to be able to find agreement if we don't know what sin is. We've got to have love if we're going to have a relationship. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, and his commandments are not grievous. See, this is what these, this, these clowns, they act like the commandments of God are so horrible. They're so bothered by the fact that they grew up in homes where parents were strict, where they weren't allowed to do stuff, where they weren't allowed to dress a certain way. Maybe they went to a Christian school that had a bunch of rules, and they're bitter about that. And I'll tell you why they're bitter about it is because these people are carnal. They are in the flesh. They are totally in the flesh, and they hate the fact that they had these spiritual things shoved down their throats. They hate the fact that a lot of their friends were allowed to listen to all the worldly, contemporary artists and things like that, and they had to listen to just, you know, Patch the Pirate. You know, he's not cool enough. You know, they had to listen to the conservative music. They weren't allowed to listen to them with all the drums and all those things. And they're bitter about it. And now that they have grown up and they're in leadership, you know what they're doing? They're saying, you know what? It's okay. You know what these guys are? They're just like... And, and I did this when I was a kid too. And my kids have done the same thing. All right, But here's the thing. I grew up, and hopefully my kids grow up too, but how many of your kids have ever done this before? You've told them, hey, you're not allowed to do this. And they say, when I grow up, I'm going to let my kids do that. Have, you ever, have your kids ever said that to you? All right. I said that to my parents growing up. And I lied because when I grew up, I didn't let my kids do those things either. All right. And my kids have said that to me too. You know, When I, grow up, when I, when I have kids, I'm going to let them do this. My kids have all said that. Well, you know what? These clowns out there today, that's exactly what they were doing. All those things that their parents said you can't do growing up, you know what they're doing? They're telling their kids you can do them. And all those things their pastors told their churches, you shouldn't do these things, you know what they're doing? They're telling their churches, go ahead and do these things. In fact, you know what? We're going to bring it in the church. There's one, one guy, he just had an Elvis impersonator come to their church picnic and sang Elvis songs. In an independent Baptist church, they had an Elvis impersonator come in. Why? Because he was probably bitter about the fact he wasn't allowed to listen to Elvis growing up. You know, so I'll, I'll show. I'm, when I grow up, I'm going to let my, I'm going to let my kids listen to Elvis. In fact, I'm going to let him sing in my church. <laughs> and that's exactly what these guys are doing. I mean, this is insane. This is what's going on. But there, the, but the commandments of God are not grievous. They are not grievous. Yes, they go against the flesh. But that's why we're supposed to be spiritually minded. See, folks, we're trying to have a relationship with Jesus here. So we're going to focus on the spiritual things. And we find out those things aren't bad. They're actually good. They protect us from a lot of things. So another thing you've got to have in a, to have in a relationship, everyone would agree this is required. And people who supposedly believe in eternal security but teach that salvation is a relationship with Jesus, these people, they say they believe in eternal security, but here's the thing. If salvation is a relationship with Jesus, do we, would we not all agree that relationships take commitment? Relationships take commitment. 
Now thank God when it comes to our salvation, He is committed to us. He is the reason we are going to stay saved. Okay? But at the same time, we're not always committed to Him. We're not. We often mess up. We often backslide. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And see, this is, this is what makes me sick about these little pansies, alright? They, they try, it's like they're trying to make things easier. Do y'all get that? They're, they're, that's in their minds, they're thinking, we've got to make religion easier. We've got to make Christianity easier. Do y'all realize they're making it ten times harder? Salvation actually really is easy. So why aren't they preaching what we're preaching on this stuff? You know why? Because they've still got the carnal mind. They're focused on carnal things. They are still in the flesh. And these, many of these people, they are just not saved. That's all there is to it. And that's why they can't get this. That's why they have no liberty. They think liberty is just doing whatever your flesh wants to do. You and I know that's not liberty. We know that's bondage. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast learned of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The things that you've been taught, okay, give these things to faithful men. Faithful men. People who will stick to these things and stay loyal to these things. Verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's not always going to be easy. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if any man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. So we see here that we need to we need to be committed. We've got to be strong. We've got to endure hardness. We've got to strive for these things. Jump over to chapter 4 and verse 1 of 2 Timothy. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves pink shirt, skinny jean wearing, soft soap speaking, you know, preachers, you know, having itching ears. Alright? That's the Tommy McMurtry version of it right there. But that, it's, just, it's the same thing. That was a synonym of what was there in the Bible. Lost my spot. Got all fired up there. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto Elvis impersonators and magicians and all this other junk that they're bringing to church. Be turned into fables, right? They're just big storytellers. Storytellers what they are. They get up and they tell their cute little stories. They get up. I mean, these guys, want, they love to decorate their platforms and like all these different themes and stuff. And I'm not against all that stuff, but it's like the amount of effort these people put into their decorations and things, to do their cute little series. I mean, some of these guys wear costumes when they're preaching that go along with different series and stuff. And they use all these visual things and they'll get up and they'll preach a sermon that has almost no Bible in it at all. What in the world? You know what? Because what they're preaching isn't even according to the Bible. They're being turned into fables. But boy, the people are eating it up. Everybody loves a good fable. Everybody loves a good story. All right? You don't believe me? Go to the movie theaters. All right? They're full all the time. People want to see a good story. Want to see a good production and see a good show. He says in verse 5, "...but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry." We've got to stay committed to these things. If we're going to have a relationship with Christ, we're going to have to stay committed. We're going to have to be faithful. Not so we can keep our salvation. So we can have a relationship 
Jesus Christ is fully committed to doing His part. But if our relationship is struggling, it's not because of Him, it's because of us. All right? We are the problem if our relationship is struggling. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I thank God He's not going to let go of me. I'm never going to lose my soul. He's always going to be there. If I, no matter how bad I get, you know what? If I'm if I'm willing to get right with God, I can go back to having fellowship. He's not going to leave me. I'm not going to be somewhere where I can't find him anymore. You know, I don't have a chance of turning into a reprobate. I'm safe, and nothing can change that. He's never going to leave me. In First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even if I mess up, I can continue to have a relationship with Christ. Because thankfully, He is committed to me. And it's a promise there. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's not a maybe. If I confess my sins, He will forgive me of my sins. And I will be able to continue to have fellowship with Him if I mess up. But here's the thing. If, I, if I'm not confessing my sins, if I'm not getting right with Him, if I'm continuing to walk in darkness, then guess what? I'm not going to have a relationship with Him. I'm not going to have fellowship. And there is going to be times when it's going to be difficult for us to have a relationship with Christ. Because you know what? We are stuck with this flesh until the rapture. Until the rapture, we are going to battle with this flesh. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if we walk in the flesh, we will fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we won't you know, do the things of the Spirit. So we're supposed to keep these things the same and remain faithful to those things. And the problem with Pastor Petrendi today is he's trying to have a relationship with Jesus, but he's also trying to have a relationship with the world. We That, that will not work. We cannot do that. Back to 1 John. I want to show you this again. Says these are um, verse three. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. We're telling you these things about Jesus, the things we've seen and heard. You know what that means. You know what that includes the forbidden Sermon on the Mount that these guys always want to talk against. John was one of them that heard the Sermon on the Mount, and he's like, you know what? What we've seen and heard. We're declaring it to you. Why? So you can have fellowship with us. We're telling you these things that we heard and saw from Jesus so you can fellowship with us. And here's why we want you to fellowship. If you're going to fellowship with us, you need to understand our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. If you want to have a relationship with us here in the church, if we're going to come together and build community, if we're going to come together and we're going to connect with one another and have a relationship and use all those hip and trendy terms, fine, use all those hip and trendy terms. Call it connecting. Call it relationship instead of fellowship. Call it whatever you want. Call it building community. Call it all that stuff. But understand that if your fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, then you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to preach the commandments. You're going to have to preach the Old Testament. You're going to have to call out sin. You're going to have to encourage these people to be obedient in order to have fellowship. That's what you're going to have to do. And you know what? I'm sorry. 
these carnal, long-haired, hippie, homo-looking people that are coming into these guys' churches, that are being attracted to these guys' churches, they're not going to like that stuff. You think John Guy with that one hippie, he had, he had this one this long-haired hippie guy in his church. You think he's going to get up and say it's a shame for a man to have long hair? That's New Testament, by the way. He's not going to get up and say that. No, we just, we just want to help him have a relationship first. Okay, help him have a relationship. Tell him to get a haircut. Alright, oh, you've got Jesus isn't that shallow. Yes, he is. He made male and female. And he put distinctions between them. And it's the women that have long hair, not the men. Nature itself teaches it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And it, it's, the Bible's very clear. A woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination. So if we're going to get these people to have a relationship, We've got to have these butchy women that dress like men. We're going to have to tell them, hey, you know what? Y'all need to start dressing like ladies. And these guys that dress like these effeminate little homos, I have to tell them, y'all are going to have to start manning up and being a man. Jesus didn't like men like that. Jesus, he asked the people when they went out to see John, what went for you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? They that wear soft raiment dwell in king's houses. You know what? The man they went out to see was a man wearing camel's hair and a leather girdle. The people that are in king's houses that wear the soft clothing, these are these effeminate, wimpy little guys that are able to do that because they're not doing any work. They're not doing manly things. And you know what? You can't do manly stuff wearing skinny jeans. Any guy here that works for a living, a physical job, you know you cannot function in skinny jeans. You, that, that, is, that does not make any sense to do that. And you know what's amazing too? Because you know people talk about, I forgot what decade it was, when women started wearing the pants and all that kind of stuff. You understand the reason the women started wearing the pants in that day is because women started doing men's work. And listen, there are some, if, if, if a woman's going to be a mechanic, she shouldn't wear a skirt. Alright? I'm sorry. But here's the thing. Women should wear skirts. So you know what? They probably shouldn't be a mechanic. You know, there's some things that the men should be doing. And we do. We have God gave us different roles and different functions, and therefore we are able to wear different clothes. And these the, the clothing these people are wearing, they don't even make sense. And that and see that's what queer means. The word queer means strange. There are things that people do that don't it doesn't make sense for people to poke massive holes in their ears and stretch them out. It doesn't make sense to cover your bodies with tattoos. I saw a guy who had both of those things today. Knocked on his door. You know, that, that doesn't make sense. That's not normal. That's weird. And it's not normal for a man who God has given him a specific role and a specific function for him to dress like a woman. That does not make sense. It does not make sense for a man to go out and get a manicure and have long, pretty fingernails. That doesn't make sense. Right, that now, if a woman wants to do that, you know, God obviously made women prettier than men. All right, you know, in the Bible, often it, when it talks about women, it talks about their beauty. It doesn't really do that with guys very much, but it does. It does with women. If women want to do stuff to make themselves pretty, I'm all for that. All right, that's that's fine. But when guys start doing it, that, my friends, is an abomination. Why? Right? It's strange. It is not what God made them for. And this is the kind of junk that is going on in churches today. 
These men, they are getting together and they are having their idea days and things and they are encouraging pastors to adopt their practices. And it is creeping into churches and it is wicked and these people, they're doing it all and their focus is relationship. When we, if they hear us saying, well, why don't you guys ever call out? Say, why don't you, we're just trying to teach these people to have a relationship. This right here we talked about tonight is how we have a relationship. You have to love God. It means you've got to keep His commandments in order to love God. You've got to be in agreement about sin. And if, pe- if people don't know what sin is, there's no way they can be in agreement on that. You've got to be committed. You've got to be... And we read those verses. Be strong. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Don't be some wimpy, limp-wristed little weenie. That is not... That is the opposite of what the Bible talks about for a man of God. It says reprove, rebuke. And they said, I would love to watch one of these guys actually rebuke somebody. Listen, I've been ripping on them. And I've been exposed to these guys. I would love to see one of them man up and just rip me. I would love to see one of these guys get up and just call me out like a man and tell me where I'm wrong. But you know what? They're not going to do that. They're going to go hide. These guys have patterned their ministry in a way. They have designed their ministries in a way so they will never get criticized. They saw the attacks the IFB of old received. They listened to the criticism from the world and they decided, you know what? We can have a kind of church that's not like that, that won't get any of that. Well, you know what? The world's not going to criticize them. The world's not going to attack them, but I will. And I fully intend to keep on exposing this kind of junk and calling it out. And I want to make sure it never gets in our church. Because this stuff, this stuff will stop us from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want us to have a real, relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is the way to do it. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You, Lord, that You want to have a relationship with us. Lord, there's, uh, Lord, we'll probably never understand until we get to heaven why You ever loved us in the first place, but we thank You that You did. Lord, You definitely started all. You initiated it. And dear God, I pray that we will be grateful Christians and we will return that love, that we'll be like that Samaritan that returned to give glory to you and that we'll serve you and we'll be committed to you and and be in agreement with you. And I pray you'll help us just make a difference in this world. I pray you'll help us to spread the word on this, Lord, so churches will stop falling for uh, these bad teachings that are out there that are just clearly all about the flesh and that we'll see... Um, the the right type of uh, churches and the right type of preaching. In your name we pray. 